0: Yes, yes. Welcome in to the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the homelonexpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, and it is my pleasure this week to present to you our guest, who is presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com. St. Louis, President of the Board of Aldermen, Lewis Reed. Lewis Reed, somebody I've heard on with Frank Cusimano a few times. Uh, Frank Cusmano's program, the Hollywood Casino Press Box on 590 The Fan, KFNS. He and Martin Kilcoin every day from 10 to noon and have always enjoyed hearing him. Um, and, uh, and I know our audience has always enjoyed hearing him. And I think throughout the process of the MLS stadium discussions, in particular, uh, enjoyed hearing his perspective. But on the other side of it, some of our guests we've had on uh, in the past on the show. Alderwoman uh, Megan Green, Alderwoman uh, Christine Gracia—they um, don't necessarily see things the same way as Lewis Reed. So, as I like to try to do, I like to get people on, and uh, it's really not a case of me advocating or not advocating. It's me asking questions and having a conversation. And um, I actually think we've probably had more Republicans on than Democrats on the on the podcast over the course of its. Uh, two-year existence at this point. But it's neither here nor there. It's not like I'm keeping tabs. But the premise is this isn't a place where only I want people to come in who see the world the same as I do. I want to hear their perspective and, hell, maybe they'll change my mind. So Lewis Reed, uh, getting his backstory was a focal point of this uh, interview. In addition to a number of thoughts specific to um, the state of St. Louis, a conversation I always like to have, but it seems like our audience enjoys hearing the state of St. Louis conversations that we've had a number of times on the podcast. And then also the backstory on the MLS and his reasoning for being a big advocate of sports in relation to a region's economy and also his perspective on what on with the Rams, in addition to other topics. Lewis Reed, president of the Board of Aldermen, our guest here on the Tim McKernan show this week. And we both in the HomeLonexpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly, the Home Loan Expert com is our studio sponsor and uh, if you enjoy the podcast and it's great to see the numbers continue to increase as people listen I'm i mentioned it in last week's questions from the audience I'm really pleasantly surprised by how many people listen to questions from the audience because all it is is me sitting there babbling answering questions i don't know if I would listen to it but people are listening to it so I guess you find how strange my mind is to be uh, worthy of listening maybe it's kind of like a, it makes you feel better about yourself that you're like wow i could never sit in a room and talk to myself for 90 minutes like this freak boy. But either way, people are listening. I'm grateful for that. People certainly listen to the interviews. And uh, last year, people listened to the Pick 6 podcast, uh, our, our podcast that comes out on Thursdays because the weatherman was on a heater. Well, this year, it just has not worked out that way. Um, and, uh, and so mainly Pick 6 is our gambling podcast, but it has been more for uh, mocking the picks than uh, betting them. At least at this point, I hope you're not betting on them because it's been rough uh, the weatherman in particular, but hopefully he'll bounce back. Either way, three podcasts per week, you know you have that and we might continue to grow, but every Monday we have a new interview and uh, we do it in the homeloanexpert.com studios. And my point to you is the following. If you like the podcast at this moment, the only way to support it is to support the sponsors. Ryan Kelly, the homeloanexpert.com, our studio sponsor. If you're going to be buying a home, make sure you go to the homeloanexpert.com. If you're going to refinance, make sure you go to the homeloanexpert.com. His name is Ryan Kelly and he is first class. I can't emphasize it enough. He's going to take great care of you. But in addition to that, he knows he has built a business and he's had great success with building this business, but he he's so conscientious of making sure that he gives back, which kind of just speaks to his character. And so once again, he is climbing a mountain to raise money for charities. Listen, if I were in his position... Real, Just being straightforward doesn't necessarily come off well for me, but that wouldn't alarm you, would it? Uh, I'd be like, oh, I have a bunch of money. I will donate. That will be lovely. Ryan Kelly not only donates, but then he puts his actions behind the cause, and he goes and climbs these mountains. Holy moly. So uh, this is yet another Climb for the Kids. You can go to climbforthekids.com to learn more about the charitable partners and give to the cause. Every single dollar makes a difference. Friends of Kids with Cancer, SSM Health, Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital, uh, Dell Children's Medical Center, Crown's Fight Cancer, Friends of Staunton Park State Park, uh, Staun State Park. It is Ryan Kelly and uh, the Climb for the Kids. And this year, he is traveling to Ecuador to summit Mount Cotapaxi. Cotapaxi, one of the world's largest super volcanoes. So yeah, I mean. He puts his money where his mouth is, and he puts his actions uh, behind his charities as well, which makes it so impressive. So, if you are looking to help the cause, go to climbforthekids.com. But if you need to buy a home, if you need to refinance, it's real simple. You don't even need to look around. You just go to the thehomeloanexpert.com. Our studio sponsors, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, is our guest sponsor every week. Very proud of the fact that we've had uh, a new guest on this show. Man, I'm telling you, let's see, let me do the math on the fly. I would imagine we've been doing the podcast now for approaching 110 weeks. And I would tell you that because uh, there have been a couple of weeks where we've done uh, a couple of guests. We've also had the spring training podcast from spring training and the postseason podcast um, that we've probably had around 110 guests on, which is not an easy thing to do. Uh, And that's a credit to the producers. And it's a credit to Mark Hanna, who presents our guests every week. He's online at evergreenstl.com. And I tell people, man, I mean it. Oh, this, this is the first year. This is the first full calendar year of my life. And I am now 43 years old. Turned 43 last month. That I have budgeted. Professionally, I've been budgeting since like 2007. But personally, I just started this year. And how much it's changed things. First off, I just feel better about my finances because I know where things are going. And so, like, last night, and you're listening to this a few days after the fact, Game 1 of the World Series, I'm doing this on the Wednesday after Game 1 of the World Series, and I live bet the Astros, live bet them, uh, two different bets, actually. Not, like, thousands of dollars or anything like that, but it was it was something that counted. And uh, and I'm all on tilt because it's going to throw my budget off. Ugh! Uh, I still would make the bet again, though. I loved the play, bringing Hudson in the seventh inning. I just didn't like the move for the Nationals, so I live bet the Astros. and They barreled the ball. They just didn't drop. What are you going to do? George Springer was like five feet away from a home run to tie the game. What are you going to do? I digress. My premise on bringing up my live betting debacle is this. Organizing your financials will make you feel better. It just, in general, makes you feel better because now you have a plan. It's like meeting with a nutritionist or going and signing up at a gym. You haven't worked out yet or you haven't started eating properly yet or more properly, but you've taken the first step. So psychologically, you feel better, and that's a big step. Well, you go to evergreenstl.com, and you look up Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, and you set up an appointment with him, and you're going to feel better. The other element of this is Mark's a first-class guy, and he's been taking care of everyday people every day for a long time. I I I guess maybe I shouldn't name the name, but someone I work with, uh, say, what do you think of Mark Hanna? I said, he is a really good guy. And if you're thinking about meeting with him, I would big time advise you to do so. Um, so that's what I'm saying to you. Uh, I wish I would have done this stuff sooner. I really do. I, it, it, I, it's, it's, you know, listen, regrets. I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention, but this one I'll mention, I messed up. Should have been doing this right out of college, really. And I'd be in a much better spot, but I uh, I didn't. And uh, at least I guess I got to it at, uh, at 41, 42. But either way, uh, I recommend you do it. I don't care how old you are, if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever the case might be, having a person you know you can turn to uh, is so helpful when it comes to a financial advisor. And Mark Hanna's the person. EvergreenSTL.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. He presents our guest this week. Our guest this week, the president of the Board of Aldermen, Lewis Reed. Lewis, thank you so much for coming in.
1: Well, thanks for having me. I'm first time on, and this is a great setup. You like y'all. the complex, okay. huh? I, I love the yeah, complex. Yeah. It's probably, I I'm going to have to come have some chicken wings. Hey, absolutely. And, Good chicken
0: rings at that, at that Kirkwood brew house. I can yeah. recommend those to you. Well, I appreciate it. I've always enjoyed any time you're on with Frank Cusimano, and I know you get a great response from the audience when you're on. People feel, I think people feel like it's, a common sense approach. And even if they disagree with some things, they understand reasoning. And I think that that's refreshing in well, 2019.
1: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. It's not, <laughs> as you know, you could be a bit of a, uh, you know, a target, but, sure. not, but uh, nature of the beast, I suppose. Nature of the beast yeah. it comes with it. But it's-
0: So I, I was, I was reading your biography in advance of our interview and in your, your path to politics strikes me as a little bit, Unusual, in, in comparison to other people who have who have been in office for a long time, and so uh, for our listeners, I'm sure they're familiar with you as the president of the Board of Aldermen now for 12 years, but uh, may not know your your background. Yes. So, if you could uh, let us know about uh, how yes. you grew up.
1: Yes, and you're correct. My, you know, I wasn't planning on being in politics or ever running for office ever. Right, uh, you know. I, Major in Mathematics, Computer Science. said, so you're way not- too intelligent to be in here no. automatically. No, I need not. to get
0: up and let Pete handle <laughs> the <it>. You <laughs> have an MBA. I didn't, <laughs> even, I didn't even complete my education at Missouri. <laughs> and that was in journalism too, so it's kind of... <laughs> You know, fake major.
1: <laughs> and, uh, uh, but I went. To, I ended up going to SIUE because uh, Larry Kristoff was one of the assistant Olympic coaches, right? So it was my dream to eventually be able to wrestle in the Olympics,
0: right? Yes, you were wrestler.
1: Yeah, and I, I and I enjoyed it, but I ended up having to quit my sophomore year, quit wrestling my sophomore year because uh, you know I needed to focus more on on you know my core studies. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it was actually
0: my junior year. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was in my junior year. So you at,
0: quit for for academic purposes, it wasn't it? Yes. Injury or something like that?
1: No, and at the time I was you know ranked pretty high in the nation. Then I was the was the season was going well. You're but, uh, a nationally ranked wrestler? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But oh. that was a long time ago. <laughs> no, I
0: understand. I didn't you know, I didn't want to get in the square circle <laughs> that with you a, now or anything. I was long, just I was like, uh, Wow, I mean that's le- that's legit. You weren't just messing around.
1: Well, a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, a number of the people that were on my team, like uh, you know, Booker Benford, he went on to be runner up in the uh on on the Olympic team and, and uh uh, won nationals a couple times, so we Larry put together a really good team that year, right? And he was just a he was he really understood how to connect with the young young kids across the country, and convince them to come to SIUE because mm-hmm. I had scholarships in major universities really? across the country. Where else
0: were you uh, looking, or who else was offering? You
1: know, I, I was looking at University of Minnesota and. A whole host of, of uh, you know universities across the country at the time, and ended up coming to SIUE because of Larry, mm-hmm. because of the coach, um, and uh, it was a good decision. It was a good decision. A lot of a lot of the, the uh, a lot of my former a lot of my teammates uh, are the wrestling coaches at the you know the universities and and you know high schools now across the the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I still stay connected with them. Um, uh, but the day I quit, it wasn't, <laughs>
0: Larry. They weren't I, happy with it. Oh, that.
1: my God, no. No, it, no oh, right. oh, man. It yeah, was, if you're a nationally
0: ranked wrestler and you have your, your guy quitting, that, as a coach, you're probably not too thrilled about that. It was not a good situation.
1: <laughs> but, uh, but it turned out for the best. I think it turned out for the best. Uh, but, you know, so I stayed around the St. Louis area and volunteered in some campaigns, still wasn't planning on ever running. And how old were you when you were
0: doing that with the volunteering work?
1: I was, you know, early 20s early twenties and volunteering when campaigns really weren't what wasn't planning on running for anything ever. Um,
0: and, uh, you, you know, know, why you were thinking about why you were volunteering, why, why, well, you know, at a young age, man, a lot of people are just kind of screwing off at that point, but you're, you know, yeah, you're volunteering.
1: Yeah. I, I was volunteering because, uh, um, you know, just looking at our community and understanding the connection of, of politics to changing that, right. How can you, how can you get your government to to invest more in your neighborhood and community? Well, you have to, it starts with that local elected official. So, uh, so for that reason, I was, you know, I was volunteering you know, I was volunteering. And, and, um, you know, once I, you know, once I moved to, you know, the central corridor in the city of St. Louis, my wife wanted to go to all the democratic uh, uh, meetings. So, we showed up at all the democratic <laughs> meetings and, and they needed a, um, like a vice president of the ward organization. And, uh, sh- she nominated me to be a vice president. You're of the ward or- Yeah. I said, wait a minute. Know she was going to do
0: this. No, I said, Hey,
1: <laughs> you, we're here for you. You do it. So she says, no, she says, no. So she, she nominated me. So I became the vice president of the ward organization. And, um, uh, from there, you know, just kept, kept going. And, uh, uh, ran for Alderman of the 6th Ward. And, um Is that 99? Yeah, that was 98, 99. Okay. So, and it was, it was, St. Louis was a different city then. Uh, How so? You know, I was the first African American ever to be elected in that ward, Central Corridor Ward. Um, and, uh, you know, at the time there were people who said, okay, our property values are going to drop if indeed this guy is elected. I mean, that just really? truly happens. Now, yeah. I grew up
0: in the 16th Ward. My family still yeah. lives there, and I would hear these things growing up. Yeah. And I didn't understand it. I'm like six or seven years old, and I've said this a few times on this podcast, but I heard it, and it would, I, I go, I don't get it. There was the thing. Yeah. if one of them moves in, there's a for sale sign, and I would hear that. i like, was like, like commonplace, and I'm yeah. going. And I remember I, I said to my mom, I said, "What is what is that? What is that man? I'm like six or seven years old. Yeah. She said, well, some of these people think that they won't be able to afford to. And I'm going like, well that. Well, if they can afford the, and I'm six, if they, they going, can, if afford I can afford the house, house then why wouldn't <laughs> you know? What, yeah. And I just don't. I don't get it. And I and yeah. I hate and I've hated that crap going back to like the '80s when I was growing yeah. up. So yeah. you're experiencing that. Now as the alderman.
1: Oh man, of the six ward. So you know, uh, there was a group that held a meeting that said, "Hey, we have to do everything we can do to stop this, right? Uh, uh, because he just might win, right?" So you know, I knew the house and I knew the people that <laughs> held the meeting, right? Uh, and um, there were a few families that said, "If indeed he wins, we will move. We're going to move our city." And I know, it I know, two, well, three three families. Uh, that did that actually moved. That actually moved. Move. And here's the good thing. All right, that's that's the you know, backdrop. Sure. That. So the good thing is the good thing that came out of that for me is, um, you know, and then remember I said I knew the house where they held the meeting, right? So, you know, I have to drive past that house mm-hmm. to get home. You know, so I'm driving past it after when you know weeks pass and stuff, and I'm just like, well, wait a minute, this person held a meeting. And said that if indeed he's elected, our property value is going to drop, right? And it just I can just feel it inside me, kind of just kind of, you know, feeling of disgust or whatever. So I decided. I said, you know what? It, it, that person was making a decision based on the sum total total of their knowledge at that point in time. And what if that's the case? And what if that person would be a different person if indeed they knew who I was? So I knocked on their door. I knocked on this door, and he almost croaked, number <laughs> one. <laughs> he, like, wait, wait. He, you know, and I said, hi, I'm Lewis Reed. I'm your alderman. I just want to meet you, right? Now, two things that had to happen. Number one, uh, for us to get to a better place, number one, I had to just never, uh, you know, consider that, you know, the fact that they held a meeting there and that was that person's position. And um, also uh, be willing to open up, and communicate with this person and hopefully both of us get to a better place. And we did. Yeah, we did. We, uh, you know, um, you know, I never brought it up, uh, to, to, to them and, uh, uh, you know, we remained friends for years. Right. Um, so, you know, the thing is, I think that we can all get to a better place if we, if we understand that, A lot of times when people are making decisions and they're taking a position, they're taking that position based on everything they have learned up until that point, Mm -hmm. right? Does that make them inherently a bad person? I don't think it does. Uh, But uh, does that also mean that, you know, if you, you do offer them new information and they have new data coming in and they maintain that same position, uh you know what do you do then mm-hmm. right you know because uh uh you know that you know, that does happen where people are, they just have the position they have and they believe what they believe and they will never change yeah. right so uh and we have that in this world uh but uh we should not automatically assume that if a person has that position and that that belief that that's what they will always be um, so then, from there, I moved on and and ran for president of the Board of Aldermen. Eight years later, right? About? Yeah, eight years later. But here is the thing that that was that was really important. Also, so across that eight years, I was able to complete one point nine billion dollars in new development through the sixth ward. All the things that that the ward and people were wanting to do, we got it done. We got Washington Avenue moving so that all and that I new I lived Washington.
0: That was an incredible run, man. For Wasn't four that? years, I was the best. It was the best. What happened? Yeah. yeah. What yeah. happened? Yeah. Yeah. I lived above Flannery's and Grace Lofts. Oh. Okay. Buddy of okay. mine, business partner of mine, uh, owned Sidebar. Okay. Um, had Lucas Park going. Yeah. I mean, it was we. My wife and I, we would eat sushi in front of whether it would be uh, what was Wasabi was down there and yeah. Mizu and, and it was the greatest. And then now I go down there now, and it's like. What hap- What happened? Uh, we,
1: we, we'll get to that. <laughs> piece. Right. That's why we. That's why MLS and some of these things uh-huh. we're going to talk about are important. So,
0: so got that that done. Well, that and, was you. So you played a large role in the Washington Avenue revitalization.
1: Yeah, carried all those bills, negotiated a lot of those deals, all up and down Washington Avenue, and and you know made them fit, funded them, and got them done. But the, here's the thing that was important. You know, remember I told you those those families that sold the house. Sure. Right. Uh, one of the houses next door to where where one of the families sold and moved um, it was uh 7 7 years in uh, sold for $800,000 yeah so that family actually lost money <laughs> so here's the thing so it shows you that you know if you if you make those judgments right without really truly understanding exactly what it is it can actually cost you real money so so it, wow but but wow. there's some there, there yeah. you know uh you yeah, know some some,
0: vindication there
1: and yeah. also for the family that moved looking back to see the neighborhood transformed that they lived mm-hmm. in that is far better than it was when they left right that should hopefully be a teachable moment mm-hmm. for them also.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, when the, the decision to, to run for president of the Board of Aldermen, what was the thought process leading up? you talking with, with, I'm sure, friends and advisors and family. What, what's the thought process?
1: Yeah, you know, I ended up running for president of the Board of Aldermen um, because of a lot of things I'm still fighting for today, you know, addressing the issues of public safety, uh, you know, economic development and economic empowerment, you know, for families all across the city of St. Louis um and having the office be more than just a, a, an office that conducts the Friday morning board of alderman mm-hmm. meetings right? right um so when i did it i said i would commit to doing it full time and I'm the first president of the board of aldermen ever do it full time and um you know and the first african american to be uh, ever be elected to that role right so coming into the role uh, I wanted to have the committees across the board of all Alderman balanced so that they weren't just uh, committees that had uh, seats based on who all of your friends were. Right. Mm-hmm. But based on the the needs of the communities that the various different representatives uh, represent, and also racially and uh um you know balanced male female racial diversity and all those things right so that so that people can learn from each other mm-hmm. and people could you know uh end up uh, coming out of those engagements better and more empowered with more information um and uh, you would think you would think that'd be easy mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was it was tough because it was a it it was a transitional moment from the board, for the board where the board had been accustomed to running a certain way and having you know certain people in power and when i came in and upended that 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 structure that the <laughs> it changes. took a few years yeah. to fix that to so fix how did like, that play it,
0: it, uh, it, some people it, loved it some people hated it is that fair to
1: yeah, yeah. 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 You know, a lot of people were very upset about it. Um, you know, they they went to the media and said that I was being unfair and stuff. And, uh, you know, I, when I laid out the case and said, told them, OK, show me how you would come up with something different. If indeed you take all everything else out of it, personalities, relationships and everything, mm-hmm. uh, how would these things work? And, uh, you know, the media that had taken a look at it said, you know what? Actually, as a you know, <laughs> you, you know you, you've done well with them. So, uh, but but I think all any entity, any people, any time you're working to change a structure, you're gonna run into those things. Just like right now, we're working to change uh, how the city addresses the issues of public safety across our city, right? And what we can do to and uh, you know uh, bring more accountability have a data-driven system and a system that will consistently uh, improve and get better over time. Uh, So, you know, pushing that idea, I understand it's a tough idea, right? Mm -hmm. It it seems simple, probably even to the listeners and everybody said, well, why couldn't you just do that, right? Well, government doesn't work that way. You know, when I first began, I said, well, I'm going to go in, I'm going to fix everything I can in four years, and I'm out of (laughs) here.
0: Not Not (laughs) the way it works. It doesn't
1: work that way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um so anyway.
0: So as you as you've progressed, you if I'm not mistaken, you've run from air twice, correct? Yes. Yeah. So thirteen and seventeen or eleven and seventeen.
1: Uh thirteen and
0: seventeen. Thirteen and seventeen. Yeah. Um and it, how would you describe each one of those campaigns? What were similar? What were different?
1: Well, you know, uh, you know, running for mayor is a is a different animal altogether. And um, uh, you know, my demographic, the, you know, the the average voter that votes for me, right? My voting population is a little bit different than than what you would naturally see from an African American or a white candidate. Right, so I so I tend to appeal to everything from you know, uh, you know left left wing Democrats to uh, you know uh, uh, conservative Republicans, white, black, all you know a little bit of everything. So my demographics a little bit different.
0: But they'll vote in the city election democratically because they're very rarely Republican candidates. I certainly know my family, for example, (laughs) voting Republican almost all the time, but they're voting. Democrat in the St. Louis city elections. Excellent. Tell him I need to vote. <laughs> <laughs> Send a text right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, uh,
1: so, so it can be changed based on like the various different candidates that are in it. So if you look at this last mayoral election, we had a ton of African-American candidates, uh, Lyda Crewson. Uh, who is a very appealing candidate down through the Central Corridor and Southside. Um, and, uh, you know, Antonio French, who was very engaged in the Ferguson mm-hmm. stuff. So if you look at, um, you know, where where my votes came from, like who who, you know, who I lost votes to. Right. And you do tracking polls throughout this thing. So you kind of know what's going on. So what the tracking post showed us is that nearly 100% of the votes that uh, Antonio French was getting was coming directly out of out of us, right? And it also showed that uh, some of the votes like, you know, in the far south and, you know, uh, Central Corridor, uh, they were swinging uh, toward LIDA. So so LIDA, between LIDA, Cruisen uh, and Antonio French, that's where, like, a lot of my votes went. Mm. Um, so, uh, but it also showed that if Antonio French get, got out or ended up getting out of the race, because he was thinking about it early on, if he would have got out of the race, I would have won, I would have been able to win, even with Lida and everybody else in the race. Really, Yeah. So the numbers were really odd in that race, but it shows you how, you know, how voting patterns can operate outside of the norm you know
0: mm-hmm.
1: i know traditional wisdom looks at it and says well it's because of all the african american candidates that were in the race the reason that's the reason why an african american did not win right and that's just not factual based
0: because on you the also real data get support from all well, across the board yeah but,
1: but not just in my case so you know the, i think what that calls in the question are some of the assumptions people make about elections like that in a city like Mm -hmm. St. Louis, right. Using this last case with me as an example, right. Uh, Where, where the votes may not just be breaking, you know, you know, African Americans. Yeah. They may not be breaking that way. They may be breaking for various different reasons. Especially if there, if uh, people understand some background and who the candidates are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, a, I think, that's a good thing. That yeah. shows that there's growth in the city, and the city's not just going, you know, north
0: and south, mm-hmm. right? So w- when you when you look at that, do you feel like you know what? I've done it twice now. I'm probably done, or would you make another run at it?
1: You know, I don't, I'm not sure about that. Uh, you know, uh, I look at. Um, the progress we've been able to make uh, with the, you know, this public safety issues that we're pushing, uh, pushing a soccer stadium, right? All of these things we've been able to move uh, from the position I'm at now. Right. Um, And, uh, you know, it's taken a long time to get the, relationships and everything across city government and outside of city government to be able to coalesce enough power to do that. But, uh, you know, I'm really happy that we're now able to actually move some of these things that I think are important to the city as a whole.
0: Well, let's talk about a variety of these things. It certainly gave people who would normally not be paying attention to what's going on at the board of aldermen. They're focusing on it specifically. The MLS stadium and that whole process, what is your perspective on where that stands at this moment and why you certainly have been a big proponent of it?
1: Well, you know, I cannot be happier with the fact that St. Louis has been granted, granted a, a team, right? And and you know, it's exciting to me, and it should be exciting to everybody across the city, right? And here's the thing: whether you, it's not about soccer, right? For people who are listening to this, who may not, not just not attend a soccer game, right. but just do not like soccer, period, right? Uh, You know, it's about having, you know, creating the economics uh, for the city of St. Louis that allows us to do those things that are important to stabilize neighborhoods and communities. It's about putting people to work, right, Uh, and uh, creating economic empowerment for people who have long, you know, uh, disconnected from the workforce, right? A lot of these folks aren't even counted in the unemployment numbers because they don't even apply for jobs anymore because they're like, you know— Why? Right. Uh, You know, I, I, you know, I've tried and tried and can't get anything right. So, you know, it's important to be, to go out and reconnect to those, those, those folks, but also look about, look at all of the economic impact in the city of St. Louis. Look, there, you know, MLS says on average what twenty-two thousand fans on average attend the game, right? Across seventeen games in the city of St. Louis, that's over three hundred, over three hundred thousand people in a year that would come to that stadium. What does that mean to us? That means that. We're renting because ninety get ninety percent of those fans come from outside of the city of St. Louis. That means that we're renting hotels. Our restaurants are full. People are you know people are going out for dinner and stuff. That means our shops. People are out there shopping. Uh, that means that that's in power, that that's activity in downtown right next mm-hmm. to the Union Station where we're going to have the aquarium right and all this stuff right. Uh, all of that all of that economic activity allows us to progress our city and it allows us to address the issues of public safety in our city. It allows us to, uh, you know, make necessary infrastructure improvements to in our city. Everybody wins by that. Right. Um, and it's, it's, it's so exciting because you have a team ownership, right. Uh, you know, the Taylor family and Andy Taylor and the Taylor Taylor family, uh, you know, uh, you know, cannot, Thank them enough for their entire legacy, right, uh, of not just what's happening today, but across their family's history, what they've done for the city of St. Louis, right? When people see Soldiers Memorial, they need to understand that the, that the, the Taylor family. family, right? When they go down and the look at ground. the arch grounds, they need to say, okay, thanks mm-hmm. to the Taylor family and other families that so generously donated, right? Um but um, you know, also when you look at the ownership group, you know Carolyn Kendall Betts. I call her a rock star, and the mm-hmm. reason I call her rock star because she is. I mean, she, you know, she. You can just feel the energy, f- you know, from her. She's she's humble, uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, it, you know. Uh, uh, very focused and driven to deliver what she's uh, planning on delivering. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the for, you know, the first female, majority female ownership group in the history of the MLS, right, mm-hmm. coming out of St. Louis uh, with some uh, tremendous leaders. So I think that they're going to do, they're going to really help put St. Louis on the map across the country with what they're doing.
0: So I'm, as I was watching that process play out, um, and I had a couple of uh, your peers and the Board of Aldermen on the program, and there was some there was some pushback. Uh, you obviously heard the pushback, and I know it wasn't your position, but what was the position? Because I think for a lot of people, many of whom live in the county who are observing this, they're going, why in the world would there be pushback on this project when the owner is privately funding so much of it? What was the position and what was that time like uh, for you as the president of the Board of Aldermen? Hey, hope you're enjoying our conversation with Lewis Reed here on the Tim McCurden Show. James Carlton is a sponsor of the podcast and has been from the outset. And I have to tell you, I was so impressed with James that I made the switch to James Carlton and his agency in Webster Groves about a year ago, actually now, 314-961-4800 or online at carltoninsurance.net. Now, at the time I made the switch, I really hadn't had to to use uh, insurance all that often. Lucky in that capacity. Um, Very rarely, as a matter of fact. And then it just so happens that a few months after I made the switch, our basement floods, and, I mean, we needed him. This wasn't a case of, oh, we have James. We'll give him a call. We needed him. And his his customer service, him himself, his staff, State Farm, it just was A-plus across the board. Actually, if there was a higher grade than A-plus, that's what it would be. And if, and if you were talking to me at a bar and asking me, hey, what's the deal, James? I'd say the exact same thing I'm saying right now. It was just that impressive. It was above and beyond. It continues to be above and beyond. The number is 314-961-4800. Now well, here's what I'm thinking. Many of you are in, in this position. Well, I have somebody. They're kind of a friend. And I just don't want to go through the process of it being awkward and having to cancel. And then I don't really care to fill out paperwork to switch. I get that. Well, here's the thing that I asked myself last year. Am I putting my family, my wife and my son, in the best position with who I'm currently with or would I be putting them in a better position if I switched to James? And once I asked that question of myself, it's like, yeah, I got to do, you know what? I got to do this. I got to. I can't risk my wife and my son's well-being because I don't want to have a conversation where I'm parting ways with an insurance agent. Or I don't feel like doing paperwork. Well, as it turns out, James Carlton staff does all the paperwork for you, so you don't have to worry about dealing with that. They take care of it. Big time, big time, big time recommendation. And I know that if you make the switch, you'll be happy you did. 314-961-4800 go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm.
1: You know, uh, you know, there's still some some younger aldermen at the board that uh, that uh, have not, in my estimation, really matured to the point where they understand uh, these dynamics. Right. They understand that, you know, perfect cannot be the enemy of the good. Right. Um, You know, they take a position that they need 100 percent of what they want and the world will be a better place if indeed they get 100 percent of what what they want. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Uh, whether you are serving at the board, me or anybody, right, in any legislative branch, uh, it is a bad idea for anybody to get 100% of what they want, right?
0: You're pro-compromise.
1: Yeah, yeah. Not, not just pro-compromise. I think there's a necessity to, right? And the reason why are some of the things we just discussed earlier. All of us are going to come to the table with different opinions, with different constituencies that we're representing, right? And uh, it's important that those voices are heard, and through that process, you end up with a blended solution that mm-hmm. ends up serving us better, right? Um, and you know, some some of those folks are they there? It's their philosophy that sports in major cities are a bad investment. Period, right? And that's a very broad statement, right? Look at, uh, you know, look at the, you know, what the what the uh, hockey team just did, right? The Blues just did, bringing the Stanley Cup to the city of St. Louis. There isn't anybody uh, that can tell me that that has met, not made a positive impact on the city of St. Louis. Uh, I was watching a, 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 you know, one of those, uh, you know, a show on, on TV. I'm not going to say what show it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these folks were in Canada, right? And this Canadian in canada was walking through the snow and under his jacket was a blues jersey (laughs) (laughs) yeah but but uh but you know you know you know hundreds of thousands of people visiting in our city right some people now that will come here on vacation and come here for tours and stuff because we have been we have won the Stanley Cup. All that has a huge impact on our city. Uh you know, so all of those things it's important that the folks who are who are, you know, deliberating on these things understand that. Mm. And unfortunately there's three or four that did not understand it. Um, and, uh, you know, um, I'm glad that overwhelmingly the majority of the Board of Aldermen sent them a clear signal that, hey, uh, this is something that's good for the city. $400 million of private investment going into the stadium, right? Uh, the only people that, 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 that pay for the stadium are people who, go to, who buy a ticket and go to the stadium. If you live in the city of St. Louis, you receive the benefit, but you don't pay a dime. That's a good. That's a good thing for the city. Um, so uh, you know, for all those reasons, or reasons that I've supported it, I continuously su- support it. And um, you know, uh, if you truly want to address the issues of poverty, which is some of the issues that the folks that that appeared on your show, their big issues of poverty, economic empowerment, and crime. Mm-hmm. Those are my big issues also. But you cannot address the issues of poverty. You cannot address the issues of economic empowerment or crime with an empty bank account. It doesn't work that way. Right. We need we have to have an economy that's moving. Right. And if if uh, soccer adds to that, we need to we need to move on it. Right. Um, and in 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 not just buckle to, you know, the perceived public opinion. Right. Uh, You know, uh, without working, without believing that it's important for us to move the public to a better place, because I think that that is our responsibility.
0: The Board of Aldermen also certainly with a lot of attention back in 2015 with the Rams. What I've had uh, ranging from Jay Nixon to Dave Peacock on the show and gotten their their stories on what they saw throughout uh, that process. I was talking with Kevin Demoff quite a bit during that process. I went out and interviewed the mayor of San Diego. Went to the town halls in Oakland. Uh, was going to meet with the mayor of Inglewood, and then magically, uh, he was no longer available. Uh, once I showed up, and then was I was told he wasn't going to be available for a couple of weeks. And I was going to wait him out, but I could only stay the crowd looks <laughs> only so big. So it was. I felt like there. I still feel like there. I feel like there's a, a 60 minute story waiting to be told on what happened with the Rams in St. Louis. What was your perspective on what was going on with the Rams in St. Louis in 2015, and of course before that?
1: Yeah. I think, unfortunately, I think that they're you know, Kroenke from day one had planned to move. I think when that, he
0: used his right of first refusal, he knew he was moving. In your opinion?
1: He probably knew even a year or two prior to that, yeah. right? Also, but but that okay. Take that as you know the fact, right? I I also think it was absolutely absolutely critical that the city of St. Louis put a proposal forward, right? I think that it would have been, uh, you know, not. I think it would have been irresponsible for us to put a proposal forward right uh it would have
0: been irresponsible to put a proposal not, forward or not not to not put, res- yeah. to, to not put a proposal forward. yeah it okay. would have been an
1: yeah. irresponsible sorry Thank so i'm you. glad i clarified <laughs> yeah, yeah. irresponsible <laughs> to not okay, put so a got, proposal got forward. It. yeah okay because uh for various different reasons the things that we just talked about right <laughs> i mean at the end of all of this right as the economics are the underpinnings to all of this right And, uh, you know, a vacant dome isn't serving us. The only saving grace on on the dome is this, is that the city owns the dome. Mm -hmm. If Crocky's still on the dome, attached to our convention center, can you imagine the shape we'd be in now? We wouldn't be able to renovate the convention, convention center. We'd be sitting there with a, Empty dome, where if one day maybe he decided to come back and do something, he can do something. But who knows what he would do? Right. So we would have been really held hostage. Right. Uh, I think that it was. uh, I think it was really also important that uh, uh, you know that you know the motions were filed in court uh, to recoup the fans' money. I think that that was uh, you know absolutely important. Um, But I don't think that he ever planned to stay in the city of St. Louis. Now, from the board's perspective, right, you're talking about a tough issue to carry, right? Um, you know, I had the unfortunate circumstances of carrying the Scott trade deal, you know, during the mayor's race, right? yeah. <laughs> when When people, you know, and those things are tough because people don't understand Um, you know, the backdrop of it, because the sound bites are so easy to get out where they say, why should the city of St. Louis give more money to billionaires, you know, and these teams that are doing nothing for us, right? And at the same time, some of the people that you mentioned said, hey, we we should let that uh, Scott Trade Center close, right? And if the Blues are unhappy with that, they can go to Kansas City or wherever, right? Now, can you imagine the city today if the Blues were in Kansas City and the Stanley Cup was in Kansas City, right? And the building that we own, Scott Trade Center, um, by the way, the city owns it, mm. was a vac- another vacant, abandoned building in the city of St. Louis. You tell me how that's going to help anybody, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, not just in the city of St. Louis, but across this region, right? Um, and then, uh, you know, at the same time, the city owns the building. People say, well, the county should help us. Renovated, right? And the the question for the the same here's what the county would ask us. The county said, okay, when the Galleria needs to be revamped, City of St. Louis taxpayers, we need you to pitch in on that, right? So, some, you know, I understand those arguments, right? But uh, at the end of all of that, right, I think we have a responsibility to assure that our city remains solvent, that our city remains competitive. Um, And the fact of the matter is the Scott trade center at the time uh, was losing business to other like locations across this country in the off season. So, uh, you know, uh, like places like Memphis and stuff like that. In Kansas city, the Sprint center, man,
0: I'm looking at concert schedules and I feel like they're going to Kansas city and and skipping St. Louis.
1: Yeah. And all of that hurts us as a city, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's all economics. So, um, you know, So, when you go back to the football stadium deal, uh, that's why it was important for us to put a proposal, at least put a proposal in. I thought that was important.
0: Yeah, Oakland and San Diego did not. Exactly. And St. Louis did, and that is why St. Louis is able to proceed here with this litigation and receive some money. You know, in in all these conversations, whether it be with your peers from the Board of Aldermen who have been in, um, or people observing um, the, the process from, of course, you know, 30,000 feet. You're in there every day. You're in the trenches. You see it, but they just see the... They, they, the observers, I feel like, say it seems like it's dysfunctional. Curious what your perspective is on that. <laughs> and then I feel like even though it, everybody is theoretically from the same political party in there, Maybe. I was about to say, it seems like there are different factions. And then I've, I've spoken with a few people and they said it's gotten weird because you've had people kind of, I don't know if trolling would be the right word. Um, and this was before it became in vogue, I suppose, to, to troll in a political office on Twitter. Uh, But, you know, a few years ago, people were like taking shots at each other on social media. And then that made it difficult because you're not necessarily communicating face to face. Now you're you're dropping shade on Twitter. Yeah. And now you're all supposed to work together to legislate. So therefore, I'm asking you as the president, Board of Alderman, your perspective on all.
1: Well, first, first off, I think it's important that that people understand uh, what legislative branches do. Right. And I think it's um, I think I think that, you know, when sometimes when people watch it, right, they may watch it, see it on news or whatever, and they see this debate going on between two legislators, right? That's actually a good thing, mm. right? I mean, it's really important for each legislator to represent their constituency and to debate and and to really dig in and debate the ideas, right? uh one of the two two of the best that i've ever seen do this was scott oglesby from the 24th uh regular
0: G- on this program
1: oh my god that guy was just uh just amazing just absolutely amazing on the floor and
0: decided he was out because he didn't want to go through the process of raising uh raising money, money. yeah he just <laughs> yeah. hated, it. He, just hated it. he was super <laughs> uncomfortable with yeah, it yeah
1: <laughs> and then uh antonio french was just absolutely incredible mm-hmm. on the floor right uh, you know, even though, like, I look at Scott's voting on the floor and, you know, we were together sometimes, but, you know, probably I, you know, I haven't looked at it, but I would venture to say the majority of times we voted on, on, you know, on different sides. But when he voted, I understood exactly why he voted the way he did. Right. Uh, and I think sometimes engaged in those conversations, he was able to educate people on the issues because he understood the bills, right? So that's a really important thing. Mm-hmm. So that debate that you see is very, very important, right? Now, you know, the other backdrop to that is this. Uh, when you have people engaged in the process that they have no concept of compromise, and they believe that the world should be the way they want it and absolutely not one period out of place, that's when you have a problem, right? Mm-hmm. And we've seen that uh, from some of the folks because you and you say we're all from the same party. You know, we know that there are people on the board that call themselves socialists and all this other stuff, right? And and communists and, and you know, all this other stuff. So we know that they're not, you know people can run as democrat and if you're going to run as Demo- if you're not going to run as democrat for the board of aldermen you are going to be you're going to put yourself in a in a deficit yeah. situation right so uh, i think that's why you see everybody under that democratic banner now the board is 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 very very effective you look at on the average we introduce somewhere in the neighborhood anywhere from you know 280 to 330 board bills a session, right? And probably people who watch it from the outside, well, they say, well, you probably don't pass many of those. No, it's actually the opposite. Of the 280 or 300 some odd board bills a session, we typically only have two or three uh, leftover a session that got stuck that didn't go anywhere, Um, probably upwards of 10 if it was, if highly controversial stuff was introduced, right? Uh, You know, we had some folks introducing things in the last session that we had no jurisdiction over, right? They were state issues, right? And uh, things that would have made neighborhoods across our city unsafe by, so there was a bill that was introduced that said, okay, we are going to – we are going to, anyone who who um, who authorizes um, the police or, or, you know, helps to fund the police department and the police department engages in anything related to, you know, uh, in this case, it was, uh, uh, you know, marijuana, right? If they say, okay, you know, there's a drug house in the neighborhood, the community's upset about it, mm-hmm. and we need to go shut down this drug house whatever uh, the elected official in that chain that authorized the funding for any of those things for for that action or the, you know ultimately that, that led to the police being able to go in and enforce the laws uh, they would have to leave office right? I mean, it was, it was some stuff like that, and what it uh, in for people in in uh, in um, you know largely African American communities, what it said to them was okay. I know this. I know these people are dealing drugs on the corner, and you know whatever comes, whatever, everything else that comes with that, the weapons, the shootings, the the turf wars, all that other stuff. Uh, not, so none of that would be able to be policed. Right. So 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 bills like that end up just dying at mm-hmm. the board. Right. So mm-hmm. a bill like that died at the board. Right. So we have things like that where where, you know, they, you know, truly, you know, they they can't get compromised. And quite frankly, they probably should not get compromised. Right. And there are other bills that, uh, you know, that may be introduced that we run out of time on. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had one in the last session that I just that did not have the time to get through all the neighborhood organizations and everything that I wanted to do to pass it. So I let it die last mm-hmm. session.
0: Okay. But as far as the, the, the culture with people communicating, how does everybody get along? Because there was, there was, it's just kind of gotten, that's another thing that Scott said when he was in here. Yeah. You know, he didn't like the campaign element of it and raising money. That mm-hmm. was one thing. But also he's just like, it's just, it's, it's I'm using this word. And I don't know if he used the word, but essentially toxic.
1: Oh yeah, I could I can I don't know if he used that word uh-huh, with you but you could but see but it I could see him saying that. Yeah. yeah, and here's why because you have you have uh you have Scott who uh, who is yeah, if you want to look at a progressive person I mean a progressive but also pragmatic person, right? A realist, right? You like a Scott, right? Uh, and uh sometimes Scott would vote on bills and you'd have people just relentlessly who call themselves progressives relentlessly attacking him online. And it's like, wow, you guys haven't... Look, if you understood, if you would take five minutes to actually read the bill, you would understand, or take take ten minutes and listen to his testimony. Mm-hmm. You would truly understand why Scott voted the way he did, right? Uh, you had a young John Collins Muhammad, right? John Collins Muhammad, uh, when the police officer raise was on the ballot. John Collins Muhammad said, you know what? That's an important thing because we cannot afford to lose, you know, experienced police officers to the county. And my constituents, even though they like North St. Louis, you know, fairgrounds, park and stuff, they, they they want to see something happen and they want to see good officers retained in the city of St. Louis. So he came out in support of it. And there are groups of, you know, what they call themselves progressives or whatever, they attacked him so relentlessly he had to delete his Facebook and Twitter page. Yeah, but here's the thing: John didn't back down from his position. He said, "No, this is an important thing," and it passed overwhelmingly in his ward. Right, um, but it was not without uh, without uh, seeing you know pushback from the other side. Mm-hmm. And at that time, because. You, you and i know that it's it's you know um uh you know as it relates to law enforcement is is it, you know because of some of the things that have happened right and because of some of the you know um some of the um uh, uh you know lawsuits that the city has been under and stuff people take it and put a blanket across the entire department and say every officer is bad right and that's kind of it's some some elected officials have taken that position out of comfort and convenience right because it's good and you get people would cheer people cheer you when you say that but but it is just not factual right uh, just like in every in every profession right there's some great great uh, radio personalities and there's some bad ones right <laughs> there's some good elected officials and there's some bad ones right and and that's just you know, that's just the way it is. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, it's also important that we do not take, um, and uh, as leaders, uh, take that comfortable position and put a blanket over over everybody and say, okay, everybody's bad.
0: You bring up the, the police and the ballot initiative and some of the pushback that existed. I think some people would look at it on the outside looking in again and say, with the crime issues that St. Louis has, as far as a perception goes, uh, how can you not want uh, more and better police on the streets. So I, I want to focus on the crime discussion because that was one of the things we we're talking about with regard to the MLS and its positive impact on, on crime prevention. How do you see things as far as crime goes in St. Louis at this moment mm-hmm. in 2019 and what direction is it trending uh, from your perspective?
1: Uh, I think we're going to see if we let's just take the big category murders, right? Um, I think we will see very similar Numbers as to as we've seen across the last couple of years in terms of murders in the city of St. Louis, that's somewhere in the neighborhood of 180 murders, and uh, the city has held that. You know, consistently we've seen it drop to 140, 145, or something, just for a small blip for a year or whatever, and then it bounces right back up. Uh, one of the things that we have not seen is that the city uh, has been able to get out of the top ten most dangerous cities in the country. Right? I know some people look at it and say, "Well, we if we were if our numbers were part of the county numbers, they'd be better numbers." And um, look, as mathematician, I'm, I'm not good with that theory. Right? <laughs> I'm not good with that theory. And the right reason why is because I live in the city. Right? Uh, so even if our numbers were watered down. Uh, the impact on my family would be exactly the same because our numbers have, our numbers in our neighborhood and our community hasn't changed, which is why it's really important that the city address this thing head on. There is a significant cost to uh, to, to, to murders, right? Uh, it's estimated in the state of Missouri and on an annual basis, somewhere between what $1.9 billion in direct costs. Uh, for for murders, right, uh, or violent crimes, uh, that's a lot. And 60 per, 63% of those, those murders uh, are held in the city of St. Louis in Kansas City. Hmm. So you can just imagine the impact on our economy and the impact on our families, neighborhoods, schools, everything is impacted by, you know, the murders, Right. Uh, so I think that that's the category we need to address head-on, um, and uh, you know I've I've advocated cure violence, right? Cure yeah. violence is a, a program that's you know being put in cities all across this country.
0: And right? so yeah, I wanted to talk about cure violence to give our audience an idea of what that would mean for the city of St. Louis and our region.
1: Yes, cure cure violence has been put in place in in cities all across America, and um, um, it's one of the top programs, public safety programs that is uh, is recommended by the Justice Department to handle uh, you know violent crimes and murders in urban setting. Mm -hmm. Uh, They start by with a couple principles. They said first thing is we have to understand that we will not arrest our way out of the problem, right? Which means that there has to be something else at play there, right? Um, Because if we're, if we're, if we're just arresting people and putting them in jail, we're handling them, we're handling it on the back end, but the environment and the things within our community, that's creating uh, these people that are growing up and, and comfortable and, and uh, have uh, a understanding that, if somebody whistles at your girlfriend or if somebody does something bad to you, uh, you don't yell at them. You shoot them. Right. Mm-hmm. See, So it's important that we also while we while we're while we're handling it on the on the back end with the response teams, mm-hmm. you know, the police and, and handling it with the courts and stuff, we have to have something in place to get in on the front end. And that's where Cure Violence comes in. Uh, it addresses the core issues that are happening within a community, Um, you look at, uh, you know, the fact that they say 1% of the population is responsible to upwards 60 to 70% of the murders and violent crimes that are happening within your community. And uh, that 1% is generally readily addressable, right? You can really generally define who that 1% is. So, what Cure Violence does is that through that definition, they go out and they go directly to the core, right? And uh, through you know, very you know, you know, uh, you know, uh, very sophisticated training that the 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 people who engage with the community have, mm-hmm. they understand how they engage with the people on the streets and get them turned around, and also recognize situations that are brewing up that will produce the next, you know, a shooter sure. in our city, sure. right? Um, so, uh, you know, but it's a, you know, I'm, I'm looking at 1,000 foot view. It's a very complex program It includes every nonprofit in our city. It includes our, it, it would include all of our hospitals and our trauma centers. It includes the city of St. Louis. It includes everything from activist organizations to law. Everybody's involved and has a, a role to play in, get, in working to get out in front of that, that situation. And um, like I said, in cities across America where they've implemented, they've seen anywhere from 40 percent to 60 percent drop in their violent crimes in the first year. Uh, For a majority of them, uh, some of them, uh, you know, uh, because of, you know, various different components that they've chosen to implement opposed to the whole plan. And, um, you know, uh, the neighborhoods and communities, they've decided to put it in. They have not seen, you know, they have not seen the, the turnaround that they'd like right. to see.
0: I mean, so, you, with, with regard, you made a reference earlier to the the murder statistics Yeah. and how, as a mathematician, you go, well, I don't, it doesn't really work for me if you include the county and how that would alter the the, the perception because the numbers would move. And then that gets me into a discussion that I've had with a number of people who have who have been in studio with me, and that is the city county merger. What is what is your perspective on that? That's something that I feel like has gained steam over the last few years, and then with Better Together's failure, it's now a, it's certainly fallen back. Uh, but I don't yeah. think that necessarily means the discussion is over. What is your perspective?
1: Look. Uh, look, I think it. I think it would be very difficult for anyone to truly prove. When I say prove, I'm talking about you know show us the data that says that the city and county cannot benefit from from, you know, uh, some working together and coming together, right? There they are obvious benefits that can come from that, right? Uh, you look at, you know, you know, all the various different police departments just across the region, right? The overlap in services and stuff they, we obviously can operate more efficiently and effectively uh, by uh, working together and coming together, right? Uh, but here's the thing, you know, what does that look like? and And you know, and I think that that's where the better together plan fell way short, right? uh, you know, because the way they the way they brought it in, um you know, they you know, if, you know the general perception is from people out there like, okay, you're positioning this to do something. Uh, to us and not with us, right?
0: The one percent earnings tax.
1: Yeah, one percent mm-hmm. earnings tax, which is a big thing. <laughs> the city of St. Louis is a third around general revenue, right? right? Um, uh, and um, the fact that you want to do the statewide vote, so people out in you know, you know, Joplin or people on the sure. other side of the state yeah. uh, could would be making the decisions for us
0: in November of 2020. Uh, not yeah. coincidentally, I would imagine. Yeah, where many of them might be at the polls.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly exactly right. Exactly
0: right. one particular candidate. Yeah, yeah, exactly
1: right. Listen, exactly right. I've
0: played some poker before. Yeah, yeah.
1: But here's the other thing, though. Uh, So so the question becomes, okay, how do we begin, right? Then where I think we begin, I think we need to look at, um, which is, and the most important issues for the city of st louis and you brought it up again the the um public safety stuff right. and the data right i think we keep our i think we we keep our individual reporting our crime statistics reporting but we look at ways of 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 creating a cooperative agreement as it relates to public safety uh city of st louis on average if you call downtown right now they'll say we're short 120 officers 150 officers or whatever right uh, by the way, we fund, put money in the budget every year for those officers, right? But because of how how often academies are put on and the uh, and the, you know the rate of officers leaving,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they end up with still with that about 150, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so they can make a couple of choices. They can they can balloon it and put much larger academies. Uh, you know, uh, out there so that they have a larger pool of students to pick from. Right. Yeah. And stagger the hiring. Or if we had a cooperative agreement with St. Louis County, all of a sudden we have multiple academies open to us. Right. Mm -hmm. And then for the folks who want to see some changing in policing, we implement a regional policing strategy. I think that's just, it makes sense. So, so if you're looking to change how policing happens within a community and you want to see, you know, you know, a tra- change in the training and all that stuff. You know, the, we have to eliminate that artificial border, right, and say, okay, regionally, we need to address that. The best way to address that regionally is by having a cooperative agreement, St. Louis City, St. Louis County, as it relates to policing. I think that's an important thing. I think that uh, when you look at it and the shared the shared services through our crime labs and and uh, the our ability to apply for larger grants, our ability to leverage the region to get more cooperation from the feds and others to get to the bottom of a lot of these open cases, I think I think that would be a very powerful position for the city to have and the county. Now, the reason why I think it's you know, the, the other, if you look on the other side, beyond just the city's wants and needs, and my belief that we keep separate reporting, right? I think if you live in the county and uh, you're told that all of a sudden we're going to be reporting the crime data in your region as one, right? I think people in the county would have a problem with that. And I think rightfully so. I think they would say, well, yeah. what is that going to do to my property yeah. value, right? Why should I take on that? I left the city because I came out here and I wanted something different. Now you're going to, the, the main issue that I have a problem with, you want to bring it back yeah. to me. So, I think that that yeah. needs to be separate.
0: Yeah, separate. And, 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 and that gets me to something we talked about earlier, and you say, yeah, we'll get to that. I'm I'm really curious what your perspective is on, especially since you played a large role in its buildup, what happened on Washington Avenue? As somebody who lived there, I lived there from 2009, then I moved into Park Pacific in 2011-12, and then moved here in Kirkwood, grew up in the city. My family still lives there, Tam Avenue. Um, and... It, it, in 2009, we removed it. it. Was it was incredible? I mean, it was yeah. an incredible scene. Mm-hmm. By the time we left, it already the decline was beginning. I recall there were issues with cruising, which I know sounds weird to people because I think no, it's like a small it, well, town, that but was that, a that was issue. a thing. That was a big issue. Ballpark Village comes into play. Mm-hmm. Some people also, even though Ferguson was 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 14, put put Ferguson in, in relation to it. I felt like the decline began well before Ferguson. I mean, I feel like I'm I'm asking somebody who would know better than anybody else, since you played a role in building up what happened to Washington Avenue.
1: I think you look at the at the core of all this stuff is public safety, right? Uh, people are gonna do they want people want to have couple couple things that they that that are things that are non negotiable, um, safety, right? And a place, a good school system, send their, yeah. send their kids, right? So a lot of the young folks that moved in, probably when you moved in, right, they, they, you're older, they, Married kids, and, kids so, and then they bolt. Then they bolt. And then, then, you know, at the, at the time, you know, public safety was really becoming an issue, right? So, so I think what we're seeing is, is that, that part, that, you know, uh, that space and time where we see uh, the city in its transition, uh, we've now gained, you know, full accreditation of our school system, which is great. And by the way, some of the public schools are some of the best public schools, not just in the state, across across the country, right? Uh, so we have to raise up and hold up those good examples because otherwise, the perception, which is very important, will not change. Sure. And you know, from sure. from from being in media,
0: perception is reality.
1: Is reality. So we have to we have to tell our story story. But more importantly, we have to uh, address some of these, these systemic issues head on. We have to address this issue of public safety in a real substantive way, and get out of the top 10 most dangerous cities in America. And when we do that, that's going to make news all across the country, just like, uh, you know, uh, this summer when it made news with all the young folks getting shot and killed in the city, right? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But we're not going to get there by pretending it doesn't exist, right? I mean, we have to take a strong dose of reality and say, okay, now how do we address this issue? And that's why it's a big mistake to say, okay, Let's find a way to hide the numbers by going in with St. Louis County.
0: Final question, two-parter for you. Um, gonna be reflective here, as you have 20 years now yeah. in office. So you, you've, see, you've seen plenty, I would imagine.
1: Planned on four. <laughs> <laughs> Planned on four. Yeah.
0: What has been your toughest moment in office? And I don't know if that would be losing, running for mayor. I have no, it would be something you witnessed. Mm-hmm. And what is a moment where all of the time, all of the headaches that none of us get to see made it worthwhile?
1: Um, uh, you know, but my toughest moments in office, quite frankly, has been, um, uh, you know, and this is sort of stuff that people don't see is, you know, all of the funerals and stuff, you know, you end up attending. Right. And, um, you know, one of my most difficult moments was, uh, was, Uh, standing out in front of the city morgue and uh, with a father who has had a child that had been shot and killed, a teenage boy had been shot and killed. And he went in to identify his son, right? And now this guy, this guy was, you know, this guy was like, you see him in the he's an NFL player, right? Mm -hmm. This guy was, you know very, you know, not a person that you would say, okay, he's this soft weave. No, this guy was a, so he went in, and uh, when he came out, he, I mean, he just broke down. He broke down, and, you know, I held him, and he cried on my shoulders, and I looked at That was one of the most difficult moments because you know that, you know, after being inside the system and working to change the system from the inside out, you know that wow you know we could see a better place and a better time and these types of things there's just no need for them to happen will they still happen to some degree absolutely but not to the degree they're happening now and one of the most joyful moments uh was when we recently perfected board bill you know the board bill for cure violence um you know um and I'm telling you, don't go watch the tape <laughs> I oh uh, it's it, because something happened to me something happened to me that uh, that i never ever if i if I wasn't there, I wouldn't have believed that it would have happened to me because I you know I could generally maintain composure and stuff Got we, oh man, when the vote voted they're six to zero um you know in favor of it, and you know you know, in my mind, I could picture, because right across the street, the city, more I can picture that scene, and then So I, it's
0: the same, so these two moments are coming together then.
1: Yeah, they came together in my head, and um I wasn't able to separate them at the time, and, uh, you know, the fact that my nephew shot and killed last year and all this stuff, and I'm like, um you know, and I went to say something, and completely, I mean, you know, completely broke down in tears, and I... I they. For, for uh for me that was just like oh my god right <laughs> and it was it's you know uh, and it was a, a moment for me that I would never ever experienced before in my life you know uh other than like the death of my father and some sure. stuff like that but as a legislator you know you know at the meeting you know running the board of aldermen and so choked up I could not even I had to I had to take a moment before I could move the board forward um, because I understand what that's going to mean to so many families. You know, um, uh, to get this thing, this stuff implemented, to begin to transition the way we're doing things, and and to take the city out of this mm-hmm. this this place where we uh, bury so many people uh, on an annual basis. And I, I think we're going to see a better time. So. Those two times, you know, there are a lot of other stuff, you know, in there, you know, because I've had an opportunity, you know, I brought next door to the city of St. Louis, you know, tens of thousands over 50 sixty thousand people connected to it now all across the city allowing neighborhoods to communicate and work amongst each other you know you know i created bike st louis now that mm-hmm. has routes throughout the region you know washington avenue all these other things you know the uh the affordable housing trust fund that has created millions of dollars to lift people mm-hmm. up and uh and to help communities all over the city i mean just a host of things right but that issue is that something di- that, that did something different. Yeah.
0: Well, that is a, that's a powerful story. Especially when you tie it to thinking of that father losing his son, crying in your arms and your nephew. Yeah. I think anybody would understand, but you don't want me to. I don't want you to, do you do to do watch. Don't, don't, don't watch, watch the thing. video. Don't
1: watch the video. Don't, don't watch,
0: watch the, the video. Don't the watch the video. I was, over
1: I was <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I told my kids, don't go watch
0: it. <laughs> so, Oh, man. Well, I have enjoyed this uh, great detail on so many issues. Our audience, you know, while it's sports and media, certainly quite often, they love when we have government officials in and we talk St. Louis civic issues, which I never really anticipated when I started this thing a couple years ago. And you're somebody that I know a lot of people have wanted to hear from. I get the sense that a lot of people hold you uh, in high esteem.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. And uh, and Mm -hmm. like I
0: said, I I know when you're on with Frank Cusimano, people are like, "How how come, you know, how come... We don't see him, you know, out front uh, in, in the mayor. And I'm like, well, he was, he did run for me. He ran for mayor twice, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, keep an eye on Um, But uh, the conversation here has been wonderful and a lot of detail, and I think people will appreciate that. So thank you so much for, for coming in, Lewis. I appreciate it. Thank you. All thank right.
1: you. You have to invite me out one night. I want some wings. Yeah, right? some
0: wings <laughs> at Kirkwood Brew House? We'll <laughs> do it. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. So there it is, our conversation with Lewis Reed, president of the Board of Aldermen, here in St. Louis. Uh, grateful to uh, Lewis Reed for coming in and spending, as always, I should just tell people at this point, yeah, we're going to take 90 minutes because I say a half hour and then we wind up going 90 minutes, give or take. Um, but enjoyed getting his perspective on a number of issues that I know are hot button issues to a large number of you in the audience. Uh, you know, MLS, NFL, state of St. Louis, uh, things that, that get him fired up as the president of the Board of Aldermen. Um, Near thoughts are always welcome uh, by emailing me, cmckernan at insidestl.com. Appreciate the feedback. Please subscribe to the podcast. It helps the cause. Why does it help the cause? Because then it increases downloads and it helps the cause. That's that's the game. Um, So subscribe to the podcast. Post a positive review if you think it's positive. Uh, All that stuff matters at iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever it is that you may podcast and uh we have them for you every single week new interviews every single week here on the tim mccurney show i don't know how long we can keep it going but we're two years in and we keep it going i'm talking about new interviews every week at some point i'm gonna go okay we gotta pump the brakes i can't i just can't realistically keep it up the producers can't realistically keep it up but so far here we are 110 weeks in or so and and this is where we are so very grateful to the sponsors for making it possible the audience for listening the producers for producing it Thank you to Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. Thank you to Johnny Londoff, Chevrolet at Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth exit, online at londoff.com, Chevy, find new roads. My wife got her car recently from Johnny Londoff Chevrolet. I recommend that you do the same thing. And, of course, our studio sponsor, Ryan Kelly, the Home Expert.com, and Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies at evergreenstl.com, and finally, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency online at carltoninsurance.net. For Gangster Pete, for Iggy, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the Home Loan Expert.com studios. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music
1: and the right motivation from world-class instructors.
0: We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season.
1: You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes from running to cycling to yoga.